been sentenced to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we are in disrepute. To the present hour we hunger and thirst. We are ill-clad and buffeted and homeless, and we labor working with our hands. When reviled we bless, when persecuted we endure, when slandered we try to conciliate. We have become and are now as refuse of the world, of the offscouring of all things. I do not write this to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then to be imitators. Be to you the reader. Gospel. Glory to 
Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The epistle reading today was from 1 Corinthians. It's one of the two letters that St. Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Now, Corinth was one of the greatest cities in the Roman Empire. A massive, sprawling city, and it had a very full Christian community. And thus, St. Paul wrote two letters to them that we still have today from the New Testament. In this epistle today, St. Paul is complimenting the Corinthian church. He says, We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. And we'd rightly think it's good to be those things. It's good to be strong, to be uh, honorable, to be wise especially. And how many times in Proverbs is wisdom extolled? This is something that we should all strive for. Further, St. Paul goes on to say, of himself and of the apostles, We have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. To the present hour we hunger and thirst and are ill-clad and buffeted and homeless. We have become and are now as the refuse of the world, the off-scouring of all things. By St. Paul's own account, he and the other apostles were failures by any measure of the world. He calls themselves refuse, the off-scouring. I had to look that word up in Greek to see exactly what it means. And exactly as you can imagine that, the things that we scrub off and throw away, the things that are clinging to the thing that we want, that we need to get rid of, and so we have to scrub them off. That's the off-scourings. Perimita. And that word is only used one other time in the Bible. It's in Lamentations, when Jeremiah laments about the fall of Jerusalem. And he says that we, the Jewish people, have become the off-scouring, the scum, as it's sometimes translated. So they're weak, they're disreputable, and they're fools. The contrast is pretty cut and dry. Corinthians have it all together. The apostles are the losers. But then there's that turn at the end, what he says at the very end. I urge you, therefore, be imitators of me. Now we have to rewind and go all the way back to the beginning of what the epistle was actually saying. Because he says, be imitators of me. And if we're going to be imitators of St. Paul, as he's asking the Corinthian church to do, as he's asking all of us who are called Christians to do, It behooves us to go back and look at exactly what St. Paul was talking about imitating. He says, God has exhibited us apostles as last of all men, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. So we're to become the last of all, sentenced to death, and a spectacle to the world. But that's just the beginning. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. So now we can add to that list that we are to be fools, weak, and dishonorable. To the present hour we hunger and thirst, we are ill-clad and buffeted and homeless. 
And we labor working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become and are now as the refuse of the world, the off-scouring of all things. It's a pretty exhaustive list of descriptors of what it is to be a Christian. And again, in the sense of the world, these are all the things that we don't want to be. Who wants to be dishonored? Who wants to be weak? Who wants to be foolish? Who wants to be refuse and off-scouring? No one wants this. And yet, St. Paul is enjoining them, imitate, imitate me. You can imagine like a slogan, like an advertising saying, be a Christian, be weak, be dishonorable, be foolish. You too can be the refuse of the world, the off-scouring of all things. It's not a very selling point. It's not something that draws people in. It's not the message oftentimes that we hear from our brother and sister Christians who have an opposite message, a message of success and well-being. Today I'd like to talk about weaknesses, about inadequacies, about failures. We've all tasted of that bitterness, the helplessness in the sense of our inability to overcome. Just take a moment and think about your own weaknesses, your own failures, your own inadequacies. It's crushing. It feels like an abject failure. My own insurmountable spiritual handicaps. We don't like weaknesses or failures. Instead of facing our failures, we turn to our strengths. Like the Corinthians, we want to focus on how we have it together. And this is why St. Paul wrote his letter in that way. Because he says, we're fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. And you can imagine all the Corinthians going, yeah, we're wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. Yeah, we're strong. You are held in honor. Yes, we're held in honor, but we in disrepute. Now I'll tell you about a serious and pervasive heresy in modern Christianity. And it's especially here in the United States. It's that heresy that we would hear in the Corinthians, which is Christians are the people who have it all together. Christians are the people that have it all together. This is a pervasive heresy within Christianity. That if you are a good Christian, you will have the things to show for that. And most glaringly, this comes out as prosperity theology, the idea that you have the financial well-being if you are an adherent of Christ. But this comes in many different ways. That we we have all of those strengths that we imagine. This is what it means to be a good Christian, is that you have lots of strengths. And that's the evidence of your fidelity to God. I'm speaking of the heresy here. This idea that somehow, if we are Christians, we should have it all together. We should have our ducks in a row. We should have maybe our savings account and our financial well-being. But we also should have all of these great virtues. Now, do our saints have virtues? Of course they do. I'll touch on that in a moment. But this heresy, which we all succumb to, is this idea of, well, if I'm a Christian, shouldn't my life be dot, 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 dot? 
It's a heresy because it doesn't require any relationship with God. All it is is it's moral improvement. And who disagrees with moral improvement? We all want to be better people, right? And so now we as Christians, we just prove that we are close to God by proving our betterness and our goodness. But it doesn't require any relationship with God. It doesn't require any closeness with God. We just fix ourselves. But more importantly, the reason why this is a heresy is because it says that we can fix ourselves. We are to believe that we can fix ourselves. We can see, we can use the saints for this purpose, of course. Because we can look at the saints and we can say, look at how virtuous they are, look at how upstanding they are, how moral they are. And we can say, well, if I'm going to be a Christian, I need to be those things. And there's truth there. However, you got the cart before the horse. Because the saints have those things from God by their closeness to God. It's not that we pursue those things and somehow that proves that we're close to God. That's a path for insanity because we keep trying to make ourselves better and better and what happens? We fail, we fail, we fail. So when we look to the saints, what we should see is we should see their closeness to God and the fruit of that are these virtues, are these good things that we see in their lives and even the miracles that we see in their lives. But the starting point is closeness to God. But see, this heresy is so appealing to us because we don't really want to look at the frightening reality that I'm weak and incapable of fixing myself. We don't want to look at that. For all of us, the weaknesses, our difficulties are, are, di are different. My weaknesses are not your weaknesses are not the next person's weaknesses. And likewise, all of us have been endowed with gifts from God. And so what we do in our failed attempts to please God is we look just at the gifts that God has given us, just at those virtues, and say, look, God, here's what I have. We focus everything upon our strengths. But it's like we're giving back to God the gift that He already gave to us. And we're making it as though it's our gift to God. Here, I'm giving this to you. Rather than that, our focus should be upon our weaknesses. And don't trust me, trust what St. Paul is saying in this epistle today. The temptation is always to focus on how I'm doing well, how I might be able to improve this, how I might be able to do better at that. But what's the problem? Our focusing on our strengths is, for one, as I said, it's focusing on what God has already given me. And furthermore, if we don't focus on our failures, we don't have something for God to work with. And this is the key point today. We must focus on our shortcomings, our weakness, our failures, because then and only then do we give God something to work with. If we give Him our strengths, which are His already, that He's given to us, what does He have to do? He might look at us like a little child that took the gift that was given and gave it back and say, oh, that's so nice. But that's not where the transformation occurs. The transformation doesn't occur by looking at our strengths. The transformation occurs by looking at our weaknesses. And in fact, God wants our weaknesses. And we keep trying to offer Him the opposite. When we offer our weakness, we are seeing, as, as our Lord said to St. Paul, 
He said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. When we offer to God our weakness, in fact, we are giving Him the opportunity, we're finally giving Him the opportunity to work in our lives. We give Him our weakness, and He gives us His strength. That's the equation, not the other way around. So how do we offer our weaknesses? Because I've belabored that point many times. How do we offer our weaknesses to God? There's a simple word, repentance. Repentance. And this is why the life of the church is a life of repentance. What is repentance? Saying, Lord, have mercy. Again and again and again. Not because we're trying to self-flagellate, not because we're trying to just beat ourselves down into the ground, but because then and only then are we saying to God, look, I have something for you to work with. I give this to you. I repent of this, knowing that I can't fix it. I can't fix it, and so I bring it to you. This is truly what Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, means. And this is the path of the saints. It's a path of perpetual repentance, because there's never too much. There's never enough that we can offer to God. If we don't think that we have weaknesses, or we don't think we have enough to offer to God, just look a little deeper. You'll find them there. Most often they're buried intentionally by ourselves. So we offer those to God in repentance. And this is the path of theosis, the path of transformation by God. Because ultimately, God doesn't expect a whole lot of us. God does not expect a whole lot of us. St. Paisio says, Is God expecting any progress from us in the first place? No. But we are his children, and he loves us all the same. Continuing the quote from St. Paisios. One of the children of a father I once saw was mentally handicapped. And although he kept wiping his runny nose on his sleeves, his father hugged him and kissed him and caressed him, just as much as his other children. God does the same thing, being the good father that he is. You see, in that example from St. Paisios, we see God knows that we're all spiritually handicapped. He knows that. He knows it better than we do. And He loves us just the same. But He can't fix those things unless we are the ones to say to Him, Yes, I am spiritually handicapped. Yes, here are my weaknesses. And then through that... As he said to St. Paul, my power is made perfect in weakness. May we, my brothers and sisters, take to heart all of those words, those profound words of St. Paul today in today's epistle. Take that home, stare at it, and think about the ways in which you can begin to be a Christian, as St. Paul says, be imitators of me. And then offer it to God, and he will transform our lives. Amen.